You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Giant Splash. I'm John Shea, national baseball writer of the San Francisco Chronicle, and our guest is Ron Wotus, a man who has been in the news of late for being part of 2,000 wins as a Giants coach. His tenure has spanned four managers, three World Series championships, and four Gold Glove infielders. Wotus answers the questions, how do the 2021 Giants compare with any of those championship teams? Why is Chris Bryant more comfortable in the outfield than the infield? And what makes Brandon Crawford so cool? We open with Wotus explaining the journey to 2000. A lot of things got to go your way, obviously, to accomplish 2000 wins, especially with the same organization. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful to Brian Sabian, first off, and Dusty Baker, who first gave me my opportunity uh, to coach in the big leagues here in San Francisco. And uh, there's so many people to thank uh, along the way, you know, all the other managers that came through, willing, willingness to keep me, the general manager's willingness to keep me, and, and of course, ownership, um, working for this great franchise, because we've always had the resources that we need to compete and, uh, and win. And, you know, the three World Series or four World Series appearances since I've been here and got to get to 2,000 wins, that's because uh, of a first-class organization that cares about winning. What I always admired about you, and also Dave Rigetti, you uh, can't forget him because both of you have gone from manager to manager to manager. In your case, you know, Dusty Baker to Felipe Alou to Bruce Bochy and now Gabe Kapler. What, what's the secret to be able to adapt from one managing style to the next? Because obviously it's a lot different from Bochy to Kapler, but what was it like, for instance, from from uh, from Baker, you, you joined his staff in 98, to Felipe and then to Bochi. Well, again, I think that, um, you know, one, you have to know your craft. And, uh, you know, I've had a little experience in the league and we've had success. And I think that goes a long way. But the other thing, important thing to note is Brian Sabian being in your corner, you know. I mean, a lot of times when a new manager comes in, the general manager, you know, he cleans house and... Um, he doesn't give you an opportunity to stay with the next manager. So, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have him in my corner, and the managers were, were happy enough to keep me. And like in Felipe's case, my conversation I had with him, because Saves put me in touch with him, and we had a conversation, and Felipe told me, hey, look, he goes, you guys just went to the World Series. You're doing something right. I'd love to have you on the staff. And he didn't have a bunch of his own coaches that he was going to bring over. So you have to be fortunate, and um, I think I think that's the bottom line: is, is saves, knowing your craft, and and be fortunate that the managers yeah. are open to keeping you. Hey, how do you see this team compared to the championship teams? And it's maybe unfair to compare a team in August to three teams that won it all, but there's no 
getting around the fact that the Giants have the best record in baseball right now. They've been the best team for a long time now. Um, what, what, what do you see? Are, are there any comparisons to any of those teams at all in your mind? Well, I don't think we're as uh, similar to those teams in, in many ways. I mean, obviously, the, the way we operate uh, with more platoons and, and matchups, I mean, we didn't do a lot of that in the past. You, you've, you've done it. It's always been in baseball, but not to this level. Um, and I think the offense, you know, the way we score runs is, is one of our major strengths. And I think in the other three championships, you know, pitching was, was our strength, not only the starters, but the bullpen. And we've pitched extremely well, don't get me wrong, but, but the way it's happening for me um, is an eye-opener uh, to some degree um, because the model we've always had in the past was a little bit different. Yeah, speaking of which, at the trade deadline, the Giants added a hitter, not a pitcher, whereas back in the day, you'd seem that always pitchers would come aboard. But what has Chris Bryant meant to you, and have you worked with him much or have you seen him enough to, to comment about his infield defense? You saw it all the time when the Cubs were in town or you went to Wrigley, but now you see it on a daily basis. And also he's a lot in left field, and right field. He's at third base. He hasn't played first, but I, I'm, I, I, I imagine that's coming too. Sure. Yeah, well, um, he, he's, you know, he means a lot to us. I mean, to land a player of that caliber at the trade deadline um, is always significant. I mean, the clubhouse... It gives everybody a boost. Um, it, it shows everybody that the organization wants to win and they're committed to doing what they can to help you win. And, and he fits perfectly. Look, um, there's no secret we like to move people around. We like to get the matchups with the offensive lineup. So you'll see a Chris at third in the outfield. And like you said, he can go to first. So he fits nicely in that regard, gives us a, a real presence uh, again. And, and a good defender at third. You, you know, you ask about third. Um, you know, in talking to him, he was actually more comfortable in the outfield this season because he played more this year with the Cubs than third base. So um, he was getting more comfortable again at third, but he's getting his work in, and uh, he's playing fine at third base. So um, he's a talented kid, a talented player, and um, he's going to help us tremendously. You know, I wanted to step back for a second and ask you about um, other coaches who, who were around for a long time and some, some greats in the game. I mean, 2,000 wins is, is amazing. And there, there are so many other coaches. And, you know, unfortunately, the Hall of Fame doesn't recognize scouts or coaches. They recognize managers. They recognize players, but not coaches. And I, I wondered if you thought that some of these guys might be deserving. I mean, we're talking about some epic hitting coaches and Walt Reniak and Charlie Lau and some pitching coaches, Leo Mazzoni, who had the big three in Atlanta, uh, Johnny Sane, who kind of mentored uh, Mazzoni, um, Dave Duncan, who followed Tony La Russa around, uh, uh, kind of helped create that one-inning closer situation with Eckersley back in the day. Uh, you know, and you worked with Rigetti, who had three championships on his watch. And even before then, before you became a big league coach, Roger Craig was considered a you know, wonderful uh, pitching coach, taught right. the fourth ball to many a pitcher who, who, who turned their careers around. Just wondering if you think, first of all, that coaches ought to be recognized as Hall of Famers. And also, were you close to any of those I just mentioned? Beyond Rigetti, of course. Yeah. Well, the first part of the yeah. question is, um, you know, I, I think 
I think the game has always been about the players. There's no doubt about that. And um, you know, that's why I'm grateful they recognize 2,000 wins for me because I'm a coach. And you don't hear about that with coaches. And, and maybe there's other coaches out there that have had that. But the coaches that you have mentioned, um, are they deserving? I don't know. I think it's about the players and the managers and the coaches go, you know, they're, they're not at the same level with the fan base. But I will say this, all those people have made a huge impact in the game. And I think that's what they're most proud of. I mean, I know all those guys. Everybody knows those names. So it just shows you the longevity, the success, and the impact they had on the game. They are Hall of Fame-type coaches. Um, and that's up to other people to decide. But I, I haven't had a close relationship with, with any of those guys. And I think a couple other coaches that have been around a long time, Dave McKay, LaRusse's first base coach is with Arizona, and Rusty Kuntz is always known as a great base-running outfield coach. And, you know, those guys that have done it for a long time, we know who they are on the field. Maybe, you know, the public don't know them, but the writers and, and people involved with baseball circles, um, they know who these people are and how good they are. We'll be back with more of Ron Wotus right after this quick break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Over your years here, you've been a base coach, obviously. You've been a bench coach, and you've been an infield coach, which is uh, especially cool in my world because because I love watching infielders turn two. I love uh, the athleticism and You've had four gold glovers on your watch. Uh, J.T. Snow and Omar Vizquel, of course, who were very good before they got here, and they continued to win gold gloves here. But Brandon Crawford and Joe Panic, you kind of tutored from their first day in the big leagues. Could you explain how proud you might have been to see them evolve? Panic maybe on a shorter scale, but Crawford still doing it at 35. You might win another this year. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. I, I thirty-four. Think, I thirty-four. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, you're exactly right. Um, you know, good players make good coaches, and good infielders make good infield coaches. And certainly, J.T. Snow and Omar Vizquel fell into that category. It is, it is very special when it's a homegrown player and you have them from day one in the big leagues. Um, and and Craw had all the, all the, all the skills were there. You know, he has those great videos of the trick plays he would do and all that. So it's more about, you know, honing his skills and, and, and teaching him how to, to play at this level, knowing the hitters and, you know, the way he approaches the game. And that's one thing I respect about him more than anything is, is, is he goes out and he plays, he plays hurt, and he's always done that, and his defense has always, has always been there. So I'm, I'm so happy for him and, and what he's doing this season as well. And Joe Panic was another one that was sure-handed, and had an accurate arm. And those are two qualities I think all gold glovers have. They're sure-handed and have an accurate arm. And all four of those guys definitely had that. And I think Joe Panic um, really opened the eyes to a lot of managers that, in, that vote on this in the league and saw how consistent and reliable he was. And I was really happy for him as well. Uh, another, another special player for the Giants, the number one pick that came up through the organization, and we all grew together. Can you teach sure-handedness? In, in other words, soft hands and and um, the ability to 
to slow it down even though balls are hit over 100 miles per hour at you? Yeah, I think you can you can help with, you know, your fundamentals, positioning. You can try to help their hands be a little bit better, and usually it's by improving their feet. You know, most people that don't have good hands also don't use their feet well. I mean, like Omar Vizquel, it looks like he never got a bad hop. Well, he, he ne- most of the time he didn't because he was so quick with his feet, he would get the hop that he wants. But even when he got the bad one, his hands were soft enough and could adjust enough to make the play look easy. So, you know, it's more, it's more uh, God-given, um, the, the, the good hands, um, than something that you can coach into them. But you can, you can help in other areas to make them more consistent. What makes Crawford so cool? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 he makes the greatest play you've ever seen and then turns around and puts two fingers up to alert the outfield there are two outs. Well, you just turned a double play for the ages. Of course, there are two outs. But he does it in such a cool manner that it, it's, it's like uh, you, you can't stop watching that guy No, you're, you're right. He, he's always been cool. He came in with the hair, mm-hmm. right? Everybody loves the hair, the look. He's a good-looking guy. And he has got such a quick glove-to-hand transfer. So um, he can make the – that's what's special about him. You know, he can make the great play. Um, but he can also – he also makes a routine play. Um, which you have to do to win a gold glove. And, and uh, the way he does it, he has style and personality. And even though he's kind of a quiet kid, I shouldn't say personality. He has a style that everybody can relate to. And I, I definitely agree with you that he's a fan favorite watching him play. Who, who has improved among the infielders the most since they arrived here? Um, you know, we've seen whether it's Solano or, or Flores or somebody else. From the time they got here to the time that you look at them now and say, hey, you know, ground ball to them, that's an out. Well, in, in, in the last two years, um, I would say Flores has, has, has done a real nice job. You know, when he came over, he was playing primarily first base for the Diamondbacks and a little bit at second. Now, he came up with the Mets and was a shortstop, so he had been at the other positions. But we kind of transitioned him to third base. Um, he's getting more play at third base because he got a good enough arm and he used to play short and yeah. profiles for us better over there. But I would say those two guys, he's having a good year and Solano is having a much better year this year than he did last year. Mm-hmm. And, and Kai has helped both of those guys as well. And, and the other coaches that are there here, Nick Ortiz and Mark Halberg, helping them, you know, talking to them and, and helping them uh, with their defensive play. And if I could ask the same question going back further, I mean, you arrived in 98. Is there somebody that really sticks out through all your years here that, wow, when he left here, he was so much better defensively than when he arrived? Well, that's a tough question yes. to answer. I, I do know this as, as a, a, metering, a meter stick that I always used is whenever I got a veteran player or somebody came over here, I always wanted them to have at least the same years he's had with other clubs or better. And, um, you know, a guy I think we accomplished that with was Ray Durham. Mm-hmm. Ray Durham was not known as a, as a, you know, a defensive player. He was a great offensive player. And sure, he had his moments, but we changed some things with him. And I think he was a more consistent fielder uh, when we left here. And, you know, I didn't have much to do with another name is Jeff Kent. You know, Jeff Kent was another guy that was ridiculed for his defense. And when his career was over, he was a darn reliable second baseman and, and a Hall of Fame candidate. So, um, you know, guys like Rich Aurelia, he always had the good hands and accurate arm. I saw him in the minor leagues. So I can't take a lot of credit for guys like him. Bill Miller's another one. 
that uh, worked extremely hard. I'd say I'd say he got better as he, he the more he played too because uh, he wasn't known for his defense, um, but he turned into a very solid defensive player. I vote for Kent for the Hall of Fame every year, and I'm kind of surprised that he doesn't get more love on the ballot. This is a guy who's got more home runs than any second baseman in history, more RBIs, and I always thought his defense was at least average. I mean, he dived to his left, he dived to his right, he turned double plays. We saw when Durham came in that he didn't turn a double play like Kent. Kent stayed in there, and Durham did not. Do you have any feeling as to what gives on that, and you think he's deserving? I do think he's deserving, and and the reason I think he's deserving is he's one of the greatest hitters, you know, that I've seen in a giant uniform. With the game on the line, Jeff Kent was a guy you wanted to play. Now, Barry was a guy that was like that, too, but I saw Jeff known not only here, but in L.A. When he went to L.A. and we had to play against him, when we were playing them, I didn't want us to pitch a Jeff Kent with the game on the line. I felt like he was the guy that was going to beat us, and he did many, many times, and I think he took a lot of pleasure in and beating it at that point in time. Um, but back to his second base play, um, he turned a great double play. Yeah. If you're a second baseman, like you said, he hung in there. He turned a good pivot, and that's a, that's a good quality for a second baseman with a strong arm. And you know what? He made it, he had his share of errors, but it wasn't it wasn't that impactful. Anything he got his hands on, he made it for the most part. Mm-hmm. He kicked one. Everybody kicks a ball now and then, and it's really not a true test of a, a guy's defensive ability. At least he dived. I'm not sure Ryan Sandberg ever dived That's for a right. ball. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And yet Robbie Thompson didn't win the Cy Young or the uh, Golden Gloves while while you know Sandberg was winning them every year. Um, but anyway, lastly, if if you could explain how you know the, the passion you have, the baseball being in your blood, and and the longevity, and, and you know what what makes. What, what has kept you in the game for so long? Um, because obviously you love it. Otherwise, you would be a stockbroker or whatever the heck. Uh, but what, what kept, what's kept you in the game so long? And, and maybe ex- explain your passion, uh, the baseball being in your blood. Well, I, I think um, I'll tell you a quick story. When I'm done, But it started with my dad. My dad played ball. His whole family did. They were from western Pennsylvania. We grew up in Connecticut. But uh, he, he had a chance to play professional ball. He didn't to keep his job, and, and he needed to work. He felt like he couldn't go off to play. And all his brothers were, you know, he had five brothers. They were all baseball fans. So he really brought the love of the game to me uh, in Connecticut when we were kids. We played catch in the yard. We played pepper, me, my brother, and him. My brother's three years older for hours and hours. So he's the one that brought the love. But it was all sports. And his support, and he loves sports, all sports. And the story I'll tell you is when I was in high school, I played soccer, basketball, and baseball. And sports has always been um, where my passion lied. And my basketball coach would get a few teachers coming up to him during the season and saying, hey, look, you better tell Ron that he's got to worry about his grades because his grades aren't where they should be. And, you know, tell him he can't be involved with sports the rest of his life. Well, <laughs> well, I get a chuckle out of that mm-hmm. because... Um, Here I am, 60, and still going strong. But I I think that sums it up. I mean, I love baseball. I love the game. Who gets to to do what they love for a living? And also the competition. You know, you can't get the energy from this crowd. When we have a game and you're trying to beat the other team in a packed house, uh, the energy and, and the desire to beat the other guy, it's hard to find those things in regular life. 
thanks all for joining us on the Giant Splash podcast. We'll continue providing these baseball podcasts throughout the stretch run of the 2021 season.